Glory to God. You are welcome once again to this podcast, The Fountain of Life. I pray that as you listen to this message, the revelation of God may work in your life, that you may see yourself being transformed from one realm of glory to another with undeniable proofs. May that be your portion in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Hallelujah. In case you want to get in touch, please feel free to send me an email, fountain.life. 12 at gmail.com and be sure I shall respond to you for whatever query that you may have. May the Lord bless you. First of all, I'd like to start with the scripture from the book of First John chapter 2 from verse 7 to 10. Brethren, I write no new commandment to you but an old commandment which you have heard from the beginning. The old commandment is the word which you have heard from the beginning. Again, a new commandment I write to you, which thing is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. He who says he is in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Hallelujah. This was John the Revelator who wrote uh, this, uh, this epistle. And... Uh, He's talking about the love and the fact that there is no new commandment but an old commandment that is from the beginning and expresses about love. And even when you look at the laws that were given by the Lord, everything was pointing towards love. And when we move around the world as is, we know that the children of God are supposed to be in dominion and we know that this is the time for the church of God to arise and be on top. So we are supposed to be in uh, an atmosphere where we subjugate all kinds of darkness and we put them beneath our feet. But something that is crazy, <laughs> we see certain children of God who are trying to subjugate fellow Christians. I was speaking to a friend of mine and she was telling me how uh, certain unfortunate things are happening around us and she was telling me how, uh, for example, in business, this guy might come and ask for a service from a brethren. Okay? So because you know that this person is a believer, you're very much willing to help. So you try as much as possible to do your best and give them because you know they're a believer. Okay? But this person whom you've given service is not willing to pay the full amount. So maybe they might pay you uh, uh, a certain sum and just walk away. But for you, you're expecting them to come back and uh, and, and pay really uh, to the full amount which you had initially agreed on before the service was rendered. Then one week, two weeks, a month, and a number of months go on, and this person has never come back to pay you back uh, wha what is due towards you. Then they start going around and saying uh, they've subdued you in the spirit. Really? That is stupid. Things do not work that way. Things do not 
work that way. We don't go around cheating brethren. We don't. How then are you going to request something from God, yet you are going around defrauding other people? That is not how we subdue. Is it? That is not how we subdue. Our Lord Jesus Christ told us in the book of John, chapter 13, verses uh, 34, the scripture tells us, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Hallelujah. So how are you going to talk about love? Yet you cannot extend uh, something uh, which is positive towards your neighbor, someone who is supposed to be in your throng. You are in the same body. You are supposed to be in the light. And yet you're doing these things. That's why the scripture tells us, he who thinks he's in the light, yet he hates his brother, is still in darkness. Because when you do such a thing, it does not manifest love, does it? It doesn't. And the reason why why I started with that scripture in 1 John chapter 2 from verse 7 to 10, which tells us that I write no new commandment, but an old commandment, which is from the beginning, from the beginning, is because I want to go into certain portions of scripture in the Old Testament where people did certain things and they actually had repercussions. Uh, first of all, let me go to uh, the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 34 shows us the story of Shechem, okay? who saw uh, Dina. Dina was uh, the daughter of Leah and Jacob uh, and was attracted to, towards her. So he took her and defiled her. But we know that she, uh, Shechem, the scripture tells us that Shechem was so much in love uh, with this young girl, Dina. Sorry, I'm just narrating. I believe you guys read your Bibles. But, uh, but, but I really hope uh, if uh, at least you haven't read this story, you go and read. I'm sure you learned something from it. So, uh, Shechem takes Dina to his tent and defiles her. And the scripture tells us that Shechem was so attracted to Dina and wanted to marry her. So, he speaks to his father, Hamo, and they come to meet uh, Jacob. Okay? And they meet Jacob and his sons. So, his sons told Jacob, Sorry, his sons uh, told uh, 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 Hamo and, and Shechem, okay? We've heard all your thoughts and how you want to marry our sister, okay? But we cannot accept you unless you, uh, you are circumcised, okay? So they, of course, they talk to them uh, uh, deceitfully. So they... The, uh, these gentlemen, of course, agreed to to obey uh, this covenant which had initially been given unto Abraham. They d- decided to agree. They went to their community and they told uh, uh, the, the people that, you know what? The Israelites are at peace with us and they can trade freely. We can freely uh, intermarry. Okay? But there is one thing. You all have to 
circumcise and accept their laws okay which was basically a case of these people wanting to uh, to also be a part uh, of the children of Israel and would have worshiped their their god and when these people had circumcised after three days while the wound was uh, was yet to even heal the bible tells us that simeon and levi came with swords and killed all the men and took dinner out of the tent of of shechem of course shechem and his father hamo were killed as well they took dinner away and came back you'd expect jacob to celebrate no he didn't he told them why have you made me obnoxious in this land <laughs> you can imagine these are people who came they came in peace and they wanted to be assimilated okay they wanted to actually be a part of them by agreeing to even do their laws by accepting to even be a partakers of their covenant that is why they accepted the circumcision but these people decided to kill them why so you, you, you see many times of course when i read the word of god i think about certain things okay i think about uh uh certain portions of scripture and i know that not everything is just direct that you just read it as a story but there are certain things that are hidden which we are supposed to seek okay that's why when you see a scripture like psalms 12 verse 6 which says that the word of god is purified uh seven times they are several layers okay and they are things that you have to search deeper to understand why because we know the bible tells us that uh we know reuben was the first son okay reuben was the first son of jacob but the scripture tells us that in genesis chapter 35 okay verses 22 and it happened when israel dwelt in that land that reuben went and lay with bila his father's concubine and israel heard about it Reuben was the first son and he performed this abomination that he went and slept with his father's concubine. So definitely there is no way he would have taken the portion of the firstborn son and the birthright. With that abomination there is no way. So he was cast aside. So the people that would have maybe reigned in his stead of course there was Simeon and Levi who were the second and the third sons they went and killed Shechem and his father and all their people and who is the fourth Judah 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 comes and we know that our Lord Jesus Christ comes from the tribe of Judah. <laughs> because these other people, there were repercussions for their actions. 
there were repercussions for their action. So Judah comes and <laughs> he claims it. And, 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 and you know, the story of Judah is fascinating. Eh? The story of Judah, it's, it's an intriguing story. Uh, if we are to go to the book of Genesis still, Genesis chapter 38, the Bible tells us how Judah had uh, three sons. Uh, here, I'm also going to just narrate uh, uh, this. I'm sure uh, you've, uh, you've read it. Uh, if not, I'm sure you'll read uh, the story. The Bible tells us he had three sons. There was El, Onan, and Shelah. Now, he goes uh, and uh, they get uh, 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 a Canaanite uh, woman. Okay? Uh, uh, wait, wait, okay. Judah got married to a Canaanite woman, okay, and gave birth to these three sons, okay. Then later on, okay, there was a Canaanite girl, was she Canaanite? Yeah, she must have been a Canaanite girl called Tamar. So that Tamar was married off to, uh, to. Judah's f first son, Er. But because Er wasn't willing to give Tamar seed, the angel came and struck him dead. But as the law was at the time, if the firstborn son hasn't gotten a heir, the secondborn son had to take over the wife to give the firstborn a heir. So when Onan took over Tamar, he refused to give his brother an heir. So even him, he spilled his seed on the ground and an angel also struck him dead. So having lost two sons, Judah was afraid to take uh, his son Shelah into uh, Tamar's tent and give uh, uh, Shelah as Tamar's husband was afraid. So he told uh, Tamar, you know what, you can go back to your people until Shela matures, then we shall come for you and give uh, you uh, to him as well, uh, as his wife. O of course he used the excuse of, uh, of the fact that Shela was young, which was true. Shela was still relatively younger, but uh, he was afraid, okay? So what he decided to do was to just ignore Tamar wherever she was. So he has passed. He has passed. And for, for someone like Tamar, having been widowed twice and the kind of abomination it was at the time, she wanted something. And she knew that, of course, she had been lied to by by Judah. So she decided to pose as a prostitute and went and lay with Judah. And the scripture tells us that when Judah found out, he actually treated her honorably. He actually realized that he's the one who had cast her. So 
Judah, the scripture tells us that he acknowledged and said she was more righteous than him. She was more righteous than him because he had refused to give Shelah to her as the custom demanded. And what did he do? What he decided to do, uh, he took care of her and never lay with her again. Now, let me go and read uh, a bit of the portion uh, in uh, uh, chapter 38, verse 27. Now, it came to pass at the time of giving birth that, behold, twins were in her womb. And so it was when she was giving birth that the one put out his hand and the midwife took a scarlet thread and bound it on his hand, saying, This one came out first. Then it happened, as he drew back his hand, that his brother came out unexpectedly, and she said, How did you break through? This breach be upon you. Therefore his name was called Perez. Afterward his brother came out, who had the scarlet thread on his hand, and his name was Zerah. Glory to God. But of course, uh, the, the, the bit that I, l I love, of course, the fact that Judah says, uh, okay, he acknowledges and actually says that she was more righteous than him. And he treated her with such grace and covered her shame and covered all kinds of reproach. And he was honored by the Lord. Because he extended love. There are certain things that are in the Bible that sometimes we tend to ignore. Okay? And sometimes when I, I sit back and think about certain things, it makes me uh, realize how we are supposed to treat brethren and how we are supposed to behave to see to it that we bring a special kind of blessing upon our lives because the church as is in one way or another we've seen people compete i am for so and so i'm for so and so i'm for so and so okay okay which is okay because well uh doctrine can be a, a bit different but the one thing that we cannot lose is the fact that we are on the same team under our lord jesus christ and we are all building towards the kingdom Okay, but sadly, we've seen subtle competition. For some people, it's even direct, and certain people even go around telling people how certain others, certain sects, are false, while the others, well, are well off, off the mark in regards to. Uh, their impact in the body of Christ. But you see, the Lord, our Father, our Lord, when uh, Esau sold his birthright, you know the scripture later tells us that Jacob I loved and Esau I hated. You would expect that Esau wasn't blessed at all. After all, he had sold his birthright. But he was still a brother to Jacob. He was. 
The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 2 when the children of Israel were going towards the promised land. Okay? Deuteronomy chapter 2 from verse 1 Then we turned and journeyed into the wilderness of the way of the Red Sea as the Lord spoke to me and we scattered Mount Seir for many days. And the Lord spoke to me saying, You have scattered this mountain long enough. Turn northward and command the people saying, You are about to pass through the territory of your brethren, the descendants of Esau, who live in Seir. And they will be afraid of you. Therefore, watch yourselves carefully. Do not meddle with them for I will not give you any of their land, nor not so much as one footstep, because I have given Mount Seir to Esau as a possession. You shall buy food from them with money that you may eat, and you shall also buy water from them with money that you may drink. For the Lord your God has blessed you in all the work of your hand, he knows you're trudging through this great wilderness. These 40 years, the Lord your God has been with you. You have lacked nothing. Glory to God. Now, the fascinating thing is that these people, despite having been cast aside, the Lord is telling the children of Israel, ignore them, they are your brethren. <coughs> and when you go unto them, buy from them the food and buy for them drinks. <coughs> incredible. Yet we see people in this era, we see other people who are in church but just because we do not fellowship together, we treat them differently. And we cast them aside. We don't want to deal with them at all because apparently they are in a different team. <coughs> we don't look at the bigger picture. Because you see, one thing that I've learned, okay, whether people come and attack me and say all bad things about me, for as long as they are children of God, there is no way I'm going to defend myself. Neither am I going to attack. <laughs> it's not worth it. The Bible, yet you remember the, the Lord had told Moses, I have given you Sihon. Contend with him in battle. But when it came to the uh, Edomites, Esau, the Lord says, just ignore them. They're your brethren. Why, why didn't they contend? Why? Because, you see, in the Bible, there are certain things that we are supposed to learn from, especially in these times, so that we know how we are to behave in certain situations as well. Because if the Lord has put you somewhere, indeed he's going to sustain you. That's why the Lord asked them, when you were moving, did you lack anything? No, they didn't. Did they? No, they didn't. Now, for example, you, you remember the story of Adonijah and King Solomon. Okay, The Bible tells us, in First Kings chapter two, uh, if you if you read from verses thirteen, okay onwards, the story of Adonijah. Of course, earlier on we knew that Adonijah wanted the throne. It's true, 
having he was the fourth son was it yeah fourth son because the three had died before him uh, uh, you know of Ammon you know of Absalom and then the uh, then the son that had been born uh, out of the adultery between uh, uh, King David and Bathsheba okay then of course later on the Lord blessed uh, uh, King David with 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 uh, uh, with uh, with uh, Solomon, but of course we knew that Adonijah was in between there. Okay, he was there. So <coughs> uh, Adonijah knew that he was supposed to reign in his stead. Okay, because now he was the eldest, eldest surviving son. But we knew that David, and of course uh, the Lord had anointed uh, Solomon. So uh, later on, of course, when Solomon is crowned king, Adonijah decides to reluctantly accept and say, okay, let Solomon become king. I've accepted. But of course, if you, rem uh, if you remember, uh, uh, Adonijah already had allies. There was a priest called Abiathar, and then, of course, there was the commander of the army, uh, Joab. They were his allies. Now, the scripture tells us that Adonijah came and spoke unto uh, Bathsheba, and he was asking for Abiashag. Abiashag used to be the, the, the virgin girl, the, uh, 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 the, the girl who was Shunammite, okay? Uh, who used to keep King David uh, warm, okay? The time that he was uh, having his illness, uh, just a few uh, years before his death, that girl Abiashag. So Adonijah comes and asks for Abiashag to be his wife. So he decided to come through Bathsheba so that she goes and speaks to Solomon on his behalf. What does Solomon do when he receives Bathsheba and hears of this? He cast her out. Chest her out. Then he goes and orders for Adonijah to be killed. So Adonijah is killed. Then he didn't stop at that. He orders for Abiathar to also be sent away. Abiathar was the priest to be sent away. So they had to send him away because, of course, Solomon said much as he had done something worthy of death, but well, he should just be sent away. So they sent him away to be with his people and, and uh, King uh, Solomon got a new priest whom he appointed. That was Zadok. But even the commander, Joab, Solomon had him executed. He, execu he executed him. But, but <laughs> you see, of course, Solomon, the reason why he executed uh, Adonijah was to protect uh, the throne. Because he, uh, he told his mother, okay, since he has asked for Abiashag, what more is he going to ask for? The throne? Okay, 
But if something that we can learn from right now, and of course from some of the th- uh, scriptures and some of the places that we've referred to, we do not kill brethren. And see, the fact that the Lord, our God, had placed Solomon in that place. At times I've asked myself, and okay, I've, I've thought about certain portions of the scripture, and, and, and I say, okay, what if he had just decided to say no? No. What was he, wh- what was, uh, what, what was, uh, Adonijah going to do about it? Fight? Because you see, <laughs> for as long as you're standing firm on the word of the Lord, that word is always going to sustain you. It's always going to. Because he would have just said, no, it's not going to happen. Because he was in line with the Lord, but he decided to take it in his own hands to defend. To defend the throne. Okay, the reason why I'm saying he could have taken a different direction, I look at the story of, of King David. The story of King David. King David, when Adonijah, no, not Adonijah, now I'm beginning to confuse the names. <laughs> when uh, Absalom performed a coup d'etat in the book of Second Samuel, chapter 16. So David is running away. This time let me go to the Bible and actually read. Second uh, Samuel from chapter 16, verse uh, uh, verse 5. Verse 5. Let me start from there. Now, when King David came to bury him, there was a man from the family of the house of Saul, whose name was Shimei, the son of Gera, coming from there. He came out cursing continuously as he came. And he threw stones at David and at all the servants of King David and all the people and all the mighty men were on his right hand and on his left. Also Shimei said thus when he cast, Come out, come out, you bloody thirsty man, you rogue. The Lord has brought upon you all the blood of the house of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. And the Lord has delivered the kingdom into the hand of Absalom, your son. So now you are caught in your own evil, because you are bloodthirsty man. Then Abishai, the son of Zeruah, said to the king, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Please, let me go over and take off his head. But the king said, What have I to do with you, you sons of Zeruah? So let him curse, because the Lord has said to him, Curse David. Who then shall say, Why have you done so? And David said to Abishai and all his servants, See how my son, who came from my own body, seeks my life. How much more now may this Benjamite? Let him alone, and let him curse, for so the Lord has ordered him. Verse 12, I love it. It says, It may be that the Lord will look on my affliction and the Lord will repay me with good for this cursing this day. 
So in other words, he said, okay, let him curse. The Lord will bless me for it. He ignored. Okay. Don't you think David would have tried to fight his son? Okay, of course, starting by killing Shimei and then going and fight his son to inherit his rightful throne. Why was he running away? Couldn't he at least <laughs> die at the battle? Until uh, like you, 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 you insist, you insist on what is rightfully yours. But of course we know that Absalom died. But of course David came back to his rightful throne. See, <coughs> there are people who are in our fold. And they are people who are supposed to be in the same household, basically the same family. And the way we treat them is supposed to be different. You see, the Bible tells us in Proverbs chapter 20, verse 3, that avoiding a fight is a mark of honor. And what I'm trying to say is there are certain situations that are going to push us to the wall and test how we react. But the way we come out of that situation is what is either going to scale us high or down. You cannot go and claim grace from our Lord, yet you cannot extend grace to your brethren. You cannot. <laughs> you see, the scripture tells us in Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 6, that without faith it is impossible to please God, that he that comes unto him must believe that he is a reward of those that diligently seek him. He says without faith it is impossible to please God. But how does faith come about? And what drives faith? You see, when I read my Bible, in Galatians, chapter 5, verse 6, the scripture says that faith works by love. <laughs> so when I'm believing God for something, I'm supposed to be in a state of love. I'm supposed to be in a state of purity, in conscience. You remember even Paul wrote to Timothy and told him that, hold, that uh, holding on to the mystery of faith with a pure conscience you have a pure conscience. There is no guilt. There is no something that is burning. You, something that could have been avoided. There is a different way that we can handle certain things. And we know that God cannot be mocked. We reap what we sow. Galatians 6, 7 tells us. We reap what we sow. So we are children of God. And you want to subjugate your fellow Christians? by defrauding them? 
and you're going around that you've subdued, subdued, uh, subdued them, that you're not working in, working in dominion. Are we supposed to dominate our own brethren? Is that how people of the world operate? No. No. You see, you remember the first portion of scripture that I started with. If you think that you are in the light, yet you hate your brethren, you're in darkness. You don't have to go around saying that, no, I don't hate them, but how you treat them? How you treat them? Child of God. When we read the word of God and when we see the things that have been put before us, let us try to pattern according to the fruits that are going to manifest results with a pure conscience. Because we know that to the pure, all things are pure. And we are supposed to guard our hearts to see to it that the kind of life that we live is able to draw other people to the Lord. We understand that we are supposed to be in dominion. True. We understand that we are supposed to be on top of the mountains, which is true. But we don't go around just having unnecessary battles that have no spoil. It's one thing if someone is coming to destroy the church and attack the church and cause confusion because you know they are of the world. Those ones we contend with in battle. You don't accept such. Someone is coming to disorganize the children of God. You're not going to turn the other side because, because we are supposed to be in love. But that is the enemy because they are coming to attack the church. You remember even what Nehemiah said? <laughs> Do not turn. <laughs> like... Nehemiah 4 uh, let, let, me, let, me, let me get that uh, scripture Nehemiah chapter 4 let me hold on a bit just bear with me okay uh, verse 4 hear O our God for we are despised turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity another translation of course says give them as prey in the land of captivity Okay. Okay. Now th that, that 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 was in uh, in line with, uh, of course, those uh, th those those people who were causing confusion, Sanballat, Tobiah, and and so forth. Okay. Now in this context, I'm talking about anyone who comes to try and stop the work of the church and try to disorganize the work of God. Those ones we blast. We do not accept such nonsense. But if there is a child of God and they are in their business. Whether you fellowship with them or not, but you know that they are a child of God and they belong to the body of Christ, what are you doing trying to subjugate them? What is that? If the Lord our God, our Father himself told the children of Israel, okay, when you're going into the land of 
Esau. Please ignore them. They're your brethren. You can buy from them what to eat. You can buy from them from them what to drink. But they're your brethren. Okay. Remember where you came from. And remember that our light comes from the throne of God. And we can only walk in the true light of, of God when we have love for one another as children of God. That is the only way we are going to stand in the actual dominion of the end time. That is when we are going to stand on top of the mountains. And people shall indeed know that the church is without blemish and without spot. Let us stop this childish things of infighting. We have a bigger role to play. And the remnant church, which is the end time army, has to stand forth. And it has to be a church in one accord. That is how we are going to defeat the enemy in times like this. We cannot be ignorant of the enemy's devices, continuing to divide us, continuing to have us have strife with one another. That is not our portion. Our portion is supposed to be built by what we are cultivating in the Spirit of God. May the Lord bless you. Have a lovely week.